Hello, and welcome to Remember When. I'm Carl Schulteis, president of the King of Prussia Historical Society, and I'll be your host for this television series. Upper Marion Government Access TV and the Historical Society are launching this series as an oral history project of life and community in Upper Marion Township. In their own words, we want the people who live the history of Upper Marion Township tell us about that history. This edition features Howard Walker. Howard has lived in Upper Marion Township since his birth. In this conversation, Howard talks about his early childhood in the 1920s, the Depression and World War II, and the development of Upper Marion Township in the post-war years. So sit back and enjoy Howard as Howard remembers when. Howard, thanks for coming in today and talking to us. Well, I appreciate thank you for you. asking thank, me. Thank you for stopping by here and talking to us and giving us some of the, the insights into what happened in the King of Prussia in the, in the uh, earlier years. Uh, just to start out, uh, what, what was your first recollection of, uh, of uh, your life here in King of Prussia? Well, of course, I was born and raised on a dairy farm, and uh, we had a butcher shop and market there also, uh, where uh, Brandywine Village is now located. And uh, I was born in Norristown, saw the light of day in 1920. But uh, I can remember Upper Marion when I used to ride my bicycle up to the King of Prussia Inn to get an ice cream cone for five cents. And we were always hoping that Mr. Albert or Mr. William, the uh, black waiters up there, would be waiting on us and not old man Pierce because he always gave us a little bit of an ice cream cone and that was hollow half the time, but when Mr. Albert and Mr. William gave it to us, it was a nice big cone. Just imagine for five cents. <laughs> and then uh, we used to ride our bikes around Upper Marion and I can remember when from uh, up Allendale Road to uh, uh, Keebler Road, why it was blacktop, but from Keebler Road on up to what is now Valley Forge Road, it was dirt. So uh, I'll never forget the one time I was riding, of course I had my big mouth open and I had a chance to taste what a nice bug tasted like. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, all of our life really was on the dairy farm and uh, and uh, we would get up and milk when we were, oh, we started out pushing us a push broom when we were five and six and seven years old because dad wanted us to really know what the work ethic was and he really proved his point. But uh, uh, we'd milk in the morning, at, they'd get up five o'clock in the morning and then milk, come in, have breakfast, change their clothes and run out the lane to catch the school bus to, uh, well, at first we didn't have a high school. We didn't have the high school till 1934, but we used to go to the old King School where the Mellon Bank is now. It was called the Stuart Fund Hall. And by the way, the uh, 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 teacher's uh, home the, uh, used to be one of the uh, stop-off spots for the Underground Railroad, as was uh, two of the caves in the farm hill, barn hill on our old barn. It was the old Dutch farm where you had the ground built up to go to the second floor when you brought the hay wagons and stuff in to unload in the hay mail, and these were underneath uh, two caves. And uh, Senator Roberts, of course, was the first owner of our farm. I don't remember the name of the gentleman that uh, Dad bought the farm from. But uh, <clears throat> after getting dressed, we used to, well, anyway, 
uh, first and second grades were in one room, and uh, Miss Martha Pugh, we always called her Miss Martha, was the, uh, the school teacher, and she was the postmaster's daughter to King of Prussia. Uh, first and second grade was in one room. The next room was where uh, third, fourth, and fifth were uh, grades were in that room, and then upstairs was sixth, seventh, and eighth. And my older brothers and sisters uh, could either go to Radnor for their high school, or uh, Lower Moran, or Norristown, or Bridgeport. And uh, they, uh, my uh, brother and two sisters at that time chose to go to Radnor. And then in 60, or in 34, of course, why uh, uh, the new school was built, and I started out in fourth grade there, having gone one through three grades in the old historic fund building. Then, of course, after school, why we'd come home and have to do the afternoon milking. That was pretty much it. And then as far as we didn't have any organized sports, uh, we could f figure out, uh, we'd get a ball team together and play some uh, folks maybe from King Manor or from uh, one of the other villages, we probably wouldn't have enough to make up. The, well, I know we didn't have enough to make up team, but we just had fun playing, uh, you know, baseball. And so pick up games. Yeah. yeah. And then the, the big thing that happened in my life, because a lot of folks want to know, is uh, I lost my hand in an operation or in the, uh, in the, uh, in the butcher shop while working one day. And, uh, 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 I was grinding sausage meat and I got my hand caught in the grinder and I've done that plenty of times before uh, doing that type of work and never had any problem but I'm not sure what happened. I was 12 at the time and I'll never forget uh, when they were taking me to the hospital uh, mother was driving the car and dad was in the back seat holding my arm like a, with a tourniquet and uh, the only thing I was worried about, because I just started to take trumpet lessons, and I, I asked Dad, how could I learn, how can I play my trumpet now? But later yeah. on, of course, we uh, just put a ring on one yeah. side of the horn, move it to the other, where your little pinky fit in, and the rest of it on my stump and went to town. Yeah. So I was second chair solo trumpeter in the Upper Rain High School band. Okay. What year was that you're talking about? Well, um, I graduated in 1939, and they had really started the high school band. Mr. Zook had started the high school band in, uh, oh, I guess when we were in the junior high. And uh, he even taught school uh, lessons there. There was no extra pay for extra effort. I mean, mm -hmm. he just did that on his own and had his own, uh, uh, you know, had the band. And uh, so I was in the high school band all through uh, uh, seventh grade through to uh, graduation. I'll put it this way. When we graduated, there were 63 in the graduating class. Now, I jumped from elementary, but uh, usually uh, I think there were about, well, there were always around 50 to 70, somewhere near, but 63 kids actually graduated in the class of 39. Right. And I played football and so forth, That's got my letters in that. And, was president of the student council and president of my class, you know, Mr. Oh. Big on campus. <laughs> <laughs> Some good times too. Yeah. yeah. Peacock Garden, which was the hotel where Uno is right now. It was right across from the uh, from the uh, inn. 
And then on the opposite side was the King of Prussia post, post office, which for a while was Mrs. Morrison's antique shop after the post office closed. And then there was Mike Estock's garage, and there was Fred Mack's sandwich shop. And that, by the way, was an interesting deal when the, when the turnpike wanted to come through and take the inn down and take Ed's sandwich shop. He sat in front of it with a shotgun and dared the people to come in to take him. And then there was a, a, a golf driving range there for a little while, too. Uh, that's when they first tore down the end to bring the uh, uh, change the, where 202 would come through and it ended up where maybe a hit was worse, would have been better than the miss, I don't know. But, you know, it ended up with the island where the, the, uh, the uh, post, old post office and the, and, uh, the inn and, uh, and, uh, and the other, which now Uno was. Right. That would have been around 1950. Uh, yeah, around 19. Uh, I can't remember the exact date that, but it was in the uh, early 50s that uh, it came through. And it's interesting. Uh, the one thing we had tried to do when we were working in the comprehensive plan later was establish a traffic circle around there, so there would be a village green with the King of Prussia in. Uh, the Peacock Inn and the old post office would be right in the middle, but uh, of course that went by the board. We'll discuss that at some later time, maybe. Well, of course, uh, we were one of the few places where there was a market, and we used to have wholesale and retail meats, mm -hmm. and uh, did have a grocery store there, and people came from miles around. We used to have folks come from the main line and from uh, Philadelphia even to come out and get meats. And uh, as far as the food, of course, we had the, it right there. Um, milk for uh, first was 10 cents a quart, three quarts mm -hmm. for a quarter. And then later when we began pasteurizing, we always had the TB tested and uh, blood certified uh, animals. But then when you start distributing milk, why well, you had to pasteurize it. We had the typical milk bottle where the, the winter time it would freeze and the cream would come above the top of the bottle, but there it was 12 cents a quart delivered. And I'll never forget, Dad always say, folks, he said, you, you can whip my cream, but you can't beat our milk. So uh, <laughs> it really worked. He was quite a card when, uh, and he uh, was a supervisor for eight, some 18 years in the township through, during his lifetime. Yeah. But the, to do shopping, of course, Norristown was the the center for purchasing our clothes. Uh, I'll never forget in Bridgeport, we always bought all of our work clothes and our work shoes and our uh, overshoes, rubbers and so forth from Mr. Weiss on the corner of 2nd and DeKalb Street in Norristown. For uh, our dress clothing, we always went to Pagel's clothing store over on Main Street when it was next to the what used to be the Valley Forge Hotel, which was quite a hotel in its day. And uh, you know, we'd get our shoes from the Pagel Shoe Store just down the uh, Main Street. There were three theaters in Norristown. And, of course, our, uh, our entertainment really was, we thought it was great when uh, uh, we were kids. Uh, Saturday night, always, a uh, whole bunch of kids would pile in the car and uh, we would go see a movie and then have our ice cream sundaes and so forth at the La Moderne on the... Uh, 
Main Street in Norristown, we thought that was quite, quite a thing. Of course, in those days, Saturday night used to be shoulder to shoulder with folks coming into the uh, county seat to do their shopping and so forth. Well, at first, mother had an old case, which isn't even being made now. And uh, uh, then next, she had uh, uh, old old Buick. Uh, I don't re don't remember the year because that was back in uh, well, that would have been back into the thirties and uh, yeah, the late twenties uh, and the thirties. Uh, uh, how many were in your family? There were six of us: three boys and three girls. Mm -hmm. They were all worked on the farm. Oh yeah. Yeah. And uh, then my uh, oldest sister went to uh, to uh, uh, Westchester State Normal Teachers Normal Teaching College. Then at that time, mm -hmm. then later she taught at the Swedland School in, in the township. My uh, second sister is, uh, went to Temple, but then finished. But she ended up working for the Bridgeport National Bank. She was a clerk there for quite a while. Mm -hmm. uh, my next brother was a, from graduated from Radnor. Of course, he went to Penn State, and uh, then uh, then Dick had some physical problems, and he's sort of handicapped and uh, couldn't speak until he was five years of age. And uh, he was uh, we just had to take care of Richard. Mm -hmm. And uh, then uh, uh, I went to Penn State after graduating from Upper Marion. And then my younger sister went to Penn State. So we were all, all Penn Staters that sent my sister. Okay. What, grade, what year did you graduate from Penn State? Uh, I actually graduated in February of 44. Mm -hmm. I wanted to go there. I matriculated to get into physical ed. But after two weeks in the class, the uh, director of phys ed department called me in and didn't think I should take it because of uh, my hand. Uh, actually, if I was sure what I wanted to do, I would have showed him a thing or three because mm -hmm. I always run my letters in school and played as much as some of the other guys that went to Penn State that were on the football team. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I went a semester and then dropped out and worked on the farm another year and then went back and uh, finished uh, in the School of Agriculture uh, being an agronomy major. Mm -hmm. And uh, did you work in that field? Well, right after graduation, I was an assistant county age, agricultural agent out in York and Adams counties. Uh, uh, but I only stayed there about six to eight months because all I was doing was trying to help how to keep the folks on the farm to fill their papers and stuff out. We hardly had a chance to get into 4-H uh, club work and things of that nature. But anyway, uh, the work was so much to, for Dad to do back on the farm during the war that I uh, decided to go back on the farm. Well, I worked part of the time on the farm, and then uh, uh, in the 40s, Dad sold the two back fields for Brandywine, farm, uh, Brandywine Homes. Can you imagine? He got all of $1,000 an acre. <laughs> okay. And then in a year, everything went up to 3,500 an acre. But anyway, I thought I saw the handwriting on the wall that uh, I, I uh, had the opportunity to go with the farmers cooperative that uh, served, uh, it was called Eastern States Farmers Exchange, and it was, uh, it would serve New England, Pennsylvania, Delaware, and Maryland feed, seed, fertilizer, farm supplies, and things of that nature. 
and I trained three months in Lancaster County, then was transferred to Williamsport, and then spent, uh, uh, I was actually uh, unloading feed cars and serving farm folks in Williamsport when uh, I know the war ended with Japan, and of course the uh, other had ended a little earlier. Mm -hmm. But uh, so part of the war years I was on the farm with dad, and then the rest of it I was uh, serving farm folks on the, uh, working with farm people yeah. during the, they had a hundred acres when, uh, 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 during the war years. Right. He, uh, it went from, uh, used to go include the Valley Ford Shopping Center, but he had sold that, so it only went from uh, uh, where Brandywine Village is uh, up uh, down to Allendale Road. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then he sold part of the Allendale Road property off to folks called Mr. F uh, uh, Morris Fogarty, who at one time worked with Dad in the butcher business, but they had their differences of opinion, so they separated, and he had his own little butcher shop, and Dad had his. But where the it used to go to uh, uh, work, uh, the printing places on, uh, you know where the... Uh, uh, Firehouse is the King of Prussia Fire Company. Yes. That was part of the farm. We had okay. two tenant houses. The one's still there. Now, one thing Dad did that make it interesting, because a lot of folks thought, well, why didn't somebody plan ahead to have more park and rec, you know, for mm -hmm. the township? Well, in the 30s, Dad had a real good year, and uh, he built a swimming pool. And that pool was 100 feet long, 40 feet wide, nine feet deep at one end and one and a half foot at the other with the scum gutters around the middle and a concrete walk pad around it. Then he had to, had a swimming, uh, uh, a bathing house uh, for the girls on one side and the boys on the other. And, uh, uh, and they had lights and the whole neighborhood used to swim in there. We never had any filter. It just simply pumped the creek water in. And then about every four weeks, we'd have to empty it out and uh, scrub it down with scrub brushes and stuff. And But it, everybody just really enjoyed it. And I think the whole pool only cost them around four or $5,000. I can still remember the mules coming in that, with the red uh, wagons, and they would scoop out the ground. Now, this was in the, about the middle 30s. Okay, uh -huh. and uh, and they had to put lights up when they start after they had their forms in. They had to put lights up because they didn't have concrete those big concrete trucks coming in. Right. They mixed and dumped right there, so it was quite a period. But that was a real active place. Anybody thought that the Walker Farm was a quiet uh, dairy farm? Uh, with the, the typical farm scene was crazy because there was always, we were open uh, Monday through Friday nights and Saturday, Mon Monday during the day and Friday nights were the butcher shop and then Saturday during the day and Saturday night. And uh, the only day we really got off was Sunday. And we had to take turns on that because we couldn't, the cows had to be taken care of. They they didn't like not to be milked. Because <laughs> they were pretty uncomfortable. They didn't get milked. Yeah, right. Yeah. The uh, you mentioned your dad was uh, a board on the board of supervisors. Yes. And uh, what year? Do you remember what year that was? I, I don't know. I know he served on it uh, altogether eighteen years, and and he was always a, a, a staunch Republican. Republican, but when the the uh, 
29 when the break came and uh, the real depression, uh, he got so disgusted with the, the Republicans that he did change that one time for a Democrat and Miss Jean Suplee saw that he wasn't elected when his next term came up <laughs> so he missed the term. He went back of course to being a Republican. But I can remember during the uh, depressions when uh, uh, gee you couldn't sell skim milk, you're lucky if you get two cents a quart. So we always fed it to our hogs there that we raised beside having the dairy cow. But we also, <clears throat> people from uh, Bridgeport and Swedesburg that they didn't have any work. They were really out of work and we used to give a bag of potatoes, a gallon of skim milk and bone, soup bones and plate meat, some of the cheaper cuts of meat that the, the richer folks along the main line and so forth didn't want. And Bob, Dad helped a lot of folks during the depression. We used to always help sort the potatoes and everything, and, and then we would carry it just as kids. When the orders were all made up, we'd put it in a bag and carry it out to the people's car. And, and uh, of course, we, we were never in one because you had the food there, but we recognized that, uh, you know, that, that was really great. He helped a lot of people. And I, I know I, I saw people come in that want to get work and there were folks that had their you know doctor's degrees and stuff it was a shame but uh, somehow we survived but 1945 that's when I went to uh, uh, the farmers cooperative Eastern States Farmers Exchange and home office was in West Springfield Massachusetts and that's when I managed warehouses First, I, as I said, I trained at Lancaster for three months because mm -hmm. the manager up at Williamsport, Pennsylvania, was uh, taken into the service. I couldn't because I was 4F with my hand. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, so that was a one-man station unloading cars up at Newbury Junction and then down at Montoursville. I, I had uh, two unloading stations that take the farmer's orders uh, send them into Syracuse or Springfield. They would teletype to the big mill in Buffalo, and then two days you'd have the feed cart back on your siding where the farmers would come in and get their feed. Okay. When, then when did you come back to King of Prussia? Uh, I was transferred back to uh, uh, this area in uh, 1946, and then I managed to. The store at the, or the store in the warehouse for Eastern States at the, in Collegeville, Pennsylvania. So I was there for two years, and then I was transferred out to Western Pennsylvania to take a what they called a field beans job, where you would work with the farm folks and the, mm -hmm. the warehouses in that particular area. I was only out there six months, and then got transferred back here to uh, to. Uh, 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 King of Prussia area. I live, actually lived in Center Square until we could locate a home. But uh, I meant to tell you, before I was transferred or went to Williamsport, I married my uh, the young lady that used to be, I was the trumpeter and she was the glockenspiel player in the high school band. And Margaret was quite an accomplished pianist and an organist. And uh, uh, 
I married, we, we were married in uh, uh, September 30, 44, and then of course Margaret was with me when I was transferred to Williamsport. Then when we came back here, why she was with me the whole time. Mm -hmm. so. where, where, where did she grow up? In? She grew up in King Manor. And King Manor was the more of a village then than, uh, than uh, King of Prussia was, because King of Prussia basically was just an intersection of old Route 23, which is now Gulf Road, and uh, US Route 202. And then you had to, you know, I think we may have had maybe about 10, well, maybe about 10 homes, but then later the, the war had ended, and uh, John Wood was building on Kingswood Road now, and uh, and the, it was becoming more of a little village here then. I was able to get a, a 1936 Buick Coupe for $400 and only had 20,000 miles on it in my senior year in high school because we used to get paid a nickel cow for milking, okay? And if we made $5 a week, we thought we were independently rich. And I'll never forget Miss Pugh. She even started savings accounts, so we had to bring our savings into her uh, each week, and she would deposit it in the Bridgeport National Bank for us. Is that where you did your banking in Bridgeport? Oh yeah, that was the bank. That was the that bank. was the only <laughs> bank there was that served <laughs> us. Then of course you had the banks in Norristown. Uh -huh. Okay, well I, I was a senior. I never had much time with girls because we were so busy on the farm, and then you figure out trying to go out for football and the band and the butcher shop and everything else. We were busy people. And uh, the senior year, I, as I said, I'd been president in my class, seventh grade through the twelfth grade. So I don't know why they liked me, but I guess because I would do the work and, and, and you know, somebody had to organize stuff. But anyway, uh, I, I got going with Margaret and, uh, and uh, we went together for six years and somebody says, good heavens, couldn't you make up your mind? <laughs> Well, you figure out you had four years of college and I didn't want to do, get involved or do anything like get married. We, we just couldn't. I wanted to get out of college and get established. So we got married in September of 44. But Margaret was quite a girl. She, uh, at the, she did all of the musical accompaniment, accompaniment for all of the, uh, any musical that took place, the operettas, the the glee clubs and so forth in high school. And uh, then she used to attend a little uh, Bridgeport Baptist Church. And she, at age 15, they asked her to become the uh, uh, organist and choir director, which she did. And she was there, Margaret was organist, and, uh, and then later they got choir directors. And she really well, she taught piano for 35 years to a lot of kids throughout Upper Marion, and a lot of the kids today will still remember. They're no longer kids, but remember when she taught them. Uh, but then she really got interested in the organ, and she became quite an organist. And uh, so she played that. Uh, Margaret actually played until the. Well, anyway, she was uh, awarded or uh, uh, organist. Emeritus at Upper Marion for her 50 years of service. And uh, she retired in the last nine years, she substituted in 35 different churches throughout the, the, the uh, uh, you know, Delaware Valley.
uh, Margaret and my sister Jane were in the same class, and that same class started in one grade, the first grade. First through 12 grades were all in that one building. That was, it imagine? wasn't just the high school, it was the... It was, a, well, it was the elementary, elementary school, school, the middle school, the middle school and high school all in one building. Okay. Uh, yeah. And today, that's one of the nicest office buildings you'd want to see. They, somebody bought it when the school board sold it, and they they liked the 12-inch thick walls that it was built. It was built like a proverbial outhouse. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's got a lot of physical charm to it. Just looking. Uh, oh at it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know how it works as an office, but it, it's certainly a. Well, they like really it. fixed it up. But one time, I was hoping we could have a, a class reunion there, and I thought with the cafeteria, since they made the office, maybe they had the cafeteria and we could get somebody to cater it, but. Uh, it, it just didn't work okay. out. So I, I lived in King Manor for a while. The first mm -hmm. when I got transferred back, we couldn't find a house because the war was still going mm -hmm. on. And uh, and uh, well, it was right after the war actually, because I g got transferred back here in '46. Uh, but anyway, uh, 1946. But anyway, we lived in uh, rented a, uh, lived with Margaret's grandparents for a while, and then we. Uh, uh, found a place and rented an apartment in King Manor, but eventually in uh, 1953 I bought the home where I now live on the corner of Brooks and Golf Road, right across from the Valley Forge Memorial Gardens. Mm -hmm. And uh, then you got into politics here. Yeah. <laughs> a fellow by the name of Bill Ross asked me to run. I, uh, the only president I really ever knew was Roosevelt. And uh, so, and Dad, of course, uh, at that one time was a, uh, was a Democrat just for that short period, so uh, I became a Democrat. But uh, I, I never, you know, I voted, but I never voted a straight ticket in my life when I was a Democrat. And uh, Bill Ross, who was a Democratic committee man, asked me to run for politics and uh, run for a township supervisor. And uh, Margaret didn't want me to run, and uh, but I, I was always interested. And in Upper Marion was growing so fast then. Oh, and uh, this was 1955 when uh, Bill asked me to run, so I ran, and uh, we put out a paper called the Plain Plain Truth, and uh, and. Uh, got one paper out, and uh, I'll never forget Judge Taxis was running for a judge over in Norristown, and uh, uh, Joe Piazza had the printing shop down in King Manor, and Judge Taxis said if he let him have the back of the sheet, he would pay for uh, the paper to be printed, and then of course we just hand-distributed as, as, as much as we could to the different mailboxes, because you put stuff in the mailbox then, nobody bothered us. But uh, there was uh, 6,000 people in Upper Marion Township in 1950, okay? Right. And the assessed evaluation was $6 million. That was one-third of real value for the tax right. purposes. And uh, uh, what happened now, I'll jump back to, to uh, 1955, right then, right around then, 
there was, uh, I would imagine there might have been about, and I'm not sure of my figures on that, but I think there might have been about eight to 10,000 somewhere in there. But right then, the uh, tax board for taxes, 80%, we were fast becoming, uh, because of the term FIKE and because of the expressway, we were fast becoming, and this was in 54, 55, really the bedroom of Philadelphia. People just loved it because you could get into the city. It was just a regular hub here at the, with 202 and the, and the expressway and 20, Route 23 and so forth. That's when I got interested yeah. because the taxes were getting higher. They were building new schools. People were grumbling. Uh, the honey buckets were running around because of the cesspools where uh, the ground was no longer open to, this, to absorb it. So there was a lot of things that the comprehensive plan wasn't done. Uh, the traffic was starting to uh, pick up, though not nearly as bad as it is now. And, uh, but the big problem was, and that really caught my eye, was the fact that 80% of the tax bill was being paid by the homeowner and 20% 20, 20 by the non-homeowner. And that's a fact, because I, I got figures that, that can show that. And I thought, well, boy, something has to do come. And we didn't have a township manager type of government. We just had the three supervisors. And I was the, my, I ran as a Democrat because that's what I was. And the registration at that time was uh, seven Republicans and one Democrat. And I won by 65 votes. But uh, then two years later, we captured the majority of the board and put two, uh, and Bill Ross came on board. And then uh, George retired, George Beck eventually retired and Blaine Scott came in. But uh, so there are the three boards, but we were determined. Uh, first, my mission, and I coined the phrase, the signs that we had that John Brueger, the architect, develop or plan for us, and then uh, uh, Ted Kunda to put the wooden signs up of colonial designs, not the ones that's still remaining, which mm -hmm. are only two. Um, uh, was where I coined the phrase Upper Marion, a good place to live, work, and worship. A good place to live and raise your kids and educate them, a good place to work, to make a good living, and a good place to worship. But the, all the churches that we had, everything from Quaker to, uh, to uh, uh, eventually we had a synagogue in the Catholic churches, and so it was a good place just to raise kids. First, the turnpike then in, right, the King of Prussia, it was uh, further uh, uh, toward Harrisburg, but just on the outskirts. It was into a different township that it ended. But uh, then later continued through and had all the fuss with the Ed Mack and the King of Prussia in. Then later you had the expressway, or the uh, continued on to uh, tie in with the New Jersey turnpike, then the expressway, and then that's when that's when 55, 56 is when everything was really booming. We were building a new school almost every year, an elementary school. And, uh, and I know because my brother-in-law was on the school board, Fritz Baer, and it was, it was something. So the challenge was there, what were we gonna do? Would we continue to wanna have 80% of the tax paid by the residents? Cause the new homes were being built, you know, 
every day. And the planning commission was, my goals were the mission to go to make up and run a good place to live, work, and merchant. The goals were, number one, to complete the zoning and planning comprehensive plan, which was really needed. And we had some real good workers on that. Helen wrote back, and I can think of Charlie Willard, and uh, really folks that really gave their all. Okay, so that was one thing that had to be done. And it was obvious that the supervisors couldn't, the three guys couldn't run the thing on a, a part-time basis. One of us acted as a roadmaster. I took a six months leave of absence from work uh, without pay to, uh, and I my uh, cooperative left me do it. I had one day that I had a good man working that I could line up his work. And then uh, I ran the township because I was determined that we were first going to get a township manager. And through Tony Differ and B. Schuler and folks of that stature were to help get the ordinance set up and everything and do the research to get the fellow that we wanted. And uh, that was the, the one thing that we did. The next thing was the most of my time, that six months, was trying to get the, the, the boards all uh, made up that there was only one fellow left on the sewer board and he was a Penn State engineer that lived in Candlebrook. That was the only fellow. But we were able to get Joe Missimer, who was president of a, uh, of a steel company and lived in Colonial Village, but was the president of the steel company in Wilmington, Delaware. We got Jack Parsons, who was uh, president of Fidelity Bank. We got Ralph Falconero, who was... Uh, uh, a CPA with the Lee Tire and Conchie Hawk and, and good men of that stature to really reactivate the sewer uh, authority, right. which really we ended up with a four and a half million dollar sewer plant and it's still one of the best run, uh, I think, uh, wastewater systems in the country. When we finally finished everything and I ended my six year term, we had a 50-50 tax base. We had the sewer plant well under construction and, and going. We had traffic getting worse. Oh, oh, the one thing that I'll never forget, when, when we voted, and this started during George Beck's days when he was chairman of the supervisor and I was minority member, where Cabot Cabot and Forbes wanted to come in with the uh, with the uh, uh, purchase the A.D. Irwin farm, which was 600 acres, okay? Mm -hmm. And they wanted to purchase that for the uh, uh, industrial park. Well, when we voted to let the industrial park in, everybody walked off with the exception of Helen Roback of the, uh, on the planning commission. And God bless her soul, she was one of the hardest workers we ever had. And, uh, uh, we had to do something because of the 80, 20, 80 percent the, the residents were paying. So it finally ended up that, oh, that, the, you know, it came out okay. But when they, when they came in, and then that same time the GE and the Missile Research Center wanted to come in to buy the, uh, the uh, hay, uh, straw hacker farm yeah, and the Romic farm. Yeah, this was in the early 60s or? This was in 56. 56. It, it was all breakthrough for 56 to 60. This is when everything was breaking. And everything was all at once. 
and the poor folks were trying to finish the comprehensive plan. It was almost like a progress report rather than a plan, but we <laughs> at least did have a rule of thumb to go by. Mm -hmm. Okay. And uh, anyway, uh, when uh, we allowed the, uh, the zone, passed the zoning on Cabot, Cabot, and Forbes, that's when they all walked off of the, the planning commission. And of course, we had to get some other good people on the support Helen and so forth, and we did. But uh, it, it was really nip and tuck and to go there for a while. And the one thing that we did that we knew was coming would be traffic, because even up to that time it had started coming. And uh, Cabot, Cabot and Forbes, along with General Electric, with the urging of the township, gave us a traffic study a projection of what the traffic would be from the general, from the Missile and Research Center, and also from Cabot, Cabot, and Forbes. And we presented that to uh, the Pennsylvania Department of Highways, and the only thing they could tell us, you'll have to get into trouble, and then we'll get you out. <laughs> well, we're still into trouble, but if you're a king of Prussia today in the year 2001, you, you'll see that the end is gone. You'll see that there's going to be all types of uh, interchanges, the right. way the construction's taking place. So it'll help eventually to alleviate some of it. There was one other thing that we wanted to do, and this was back in 57, was to try to see if we could secure open ground to, for parks and recs. The, George and the fellows before me had, had little places where each development tried to, to uh, keep some spot for recreation. And uh, we tried to keep a green strip from the old Crow Creek down to the, uh, to the river, which would go through Walker Field and then on down through uh, Pancoast and the adjoining farms to the river. But I'll never forget, we had the opportunity to buy, and this will really jolt you, uh, Walker Field for thirty thousand uh, dollars from Don Pascal, who mm -hmm. had bought that from uh, Dad, and of course Dad had lost the, had to go to court to get the rest of the farm to get money from the turnpike when they went through, and he got sixty sixty five thousand out of that. So uh, when he when he ended up, why well, I guess he probably had around a hundred to hundred and fifty thousand for farm buildings and everything, you can already build a house for that today. <laughs> That's right. But, uh, but we did secure the, the Walker Field for 30000 We did secure the Bob White Park for 30000 over in Bob White right. Homes. Right. So that was a good chunk of ground. It was, a best, it was one of the best decisions that we ever made because at that time, uh, I wish we could have purchased the... Uh, Valley Forge Golf course. course, but it was unthinkable because our millage was only six, well, it was only four mills at that time. And if you figured four mills on a, on a $7,000 house, which uh, 7,500, say, let's say 8,000 uh, uh, for Brandywine, uh, four mills, gee, you're only talking $322, yeah, right? right? So, uh, it, uh, we, he just didn't have the fund. And at that time, Hank and Hankin and Shankin were the owners of the, the Hankin brothers, and Shankin was the brother-in-law that owned the, uh, the golf course. And they, of course, had uh, built the, 
the first motel and uh, George Washington Motel. Yeah, and uh, or that was really second. We had another little one no, that was didn't. built before. Mm -hmm. But uh, I often thought if we only had had the opportunity, because I'll never forget, I went from Bill Ross and uh, and Blaine. I voted to go to from four to six mills to purchase those two uh, properties, the Walker Track mm -hmm. and the Bob White. And I never forget that uh, one of the fellows said, you darn Democrats, you increased our, our millage from 33% uh, from four to six, <laughs> yeah, which we right. did, you know. Right. But back there then, remember, you were paying three to $400 for a typical home right. for taxes. But we just didn't have the wherewithal, and we tried to stay within with the increasing assessed evaluation and keep millage down as much as possibly could. The plaza came in right about the time that General Electric and a lot of all this stuff was happening. And they bought the, they bought the uh, uh, Wilson track, what was the Wilson farm. And uh, uh, I know Acme was one of the first stores and then had a few stores and they, I can't remember the one store at the, uh, at the one end of it. E.J. Corvette? Yeah, Corvette. You were only in in office for that six years, you said. Yeah, I was in for. Uh, I was really active for the five of those six years as a minority member. I, mm -hmm. I was still working uh, in the, in the five counties and uh, and part of uh, Eastern Shore, Maryland, Delaware, and and uh, Maryland Eastern Shore down to the Virginia line. But when this happened, that's when I took the leave of absence so we could get a township type manager. And then, of course, we were really active with, there were meetings galore. There wasn't a night that you didn't have a meeting. But I'll tell you this, whenever we had a zoning change, we would get the galley proof. We'd always advertise in the papers. You had the courier, and uh, I think you had the uh, post at that time. Not right. And then in the Norristown Times Herald. And uh, anyway, we'd always advertise, but we'd always send it right. Each little community had its own uh, committee uh, right. for that particular village. Brandywine had its own committee. So that we had a zoning meeting. You always had a big turnout because everybody knew what was coming up so that you'd have a chance to, uh, they'd have a chance to know what was going on and state their peace and so forth. It was almost like uh, the New England town meetings. Well, I went back to, after the six months, I went back to uh, uh, to work with my uh, former uh, cooperative. Right. And but I was still a member of the board. Mm -hmm. uh, I was active in my own uh, little church. I, I the, the Glockenspiel player, had well, I fell in love with the organs. I wasn't particularly <laughs> interested in the church. <laughs> but she, that was a vibe. They were people that book, and so they really won me to the Lord, okay? And uh, so I was been there, but all the time that we were doing building, I was on, I think I served on every board in that little church you could serve on, and I was on the board that we decided we wanted to move out to Upper Marion. Where was the church before that? Uh, down on 4th Street in Bridgeport. I see. Okay, there's a plaque on that building now. It's now a roofing company that, that uses the facility. That's the Cooper? The, uh, the Cooper, yeah, oh, but it's blocked in the way the road. The road patterns can really make a difference to a community. In oh. fact, that's what started the whole business 
with the turnpike coming through and so forth. But I was busy the whole time uh, out on the road and covering five counties in Pennsylvania and the Delmarva Peninsula with the different spots and a management type deal. Uh, only we didn't have cell phones then. We you, you did it by just traveling and telephone at home, but anyway, and along the road. But uh, we were building the church, so all the time I was active on the school board, I was on trying to help locate ground for the new church in Upper Marion, which is up on corner of uh, Count Von Steuben Road and, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, Valley right. Forge Road. So uh, we were busy people. Yeah, it sounds like you were very busy between yeah. all those uh, yeah. trying to. You had three balls in the air at one time oh, between yeah. the church and the township yeah. and, the, and your in your personal work and your uh, job and, so and the family. It it it, it cost the family some st hardship too, <laughs> but it, it finally it all worked yeah. out. Yeah, I I want to end up one one thing. Uh, I mentioned that Margaret Margaret was uh, after fifty some years that. Uh, mostly at uh, Bridgeport Baptist, mm -hmm. she resigned and be, did the substituting work. The, the people just loved her because she was really good on her organ. It could be a three manual organ one week and a little little uh, pipe organ and maybe a little electronic. She never knew what she was running into, so it was really interesting. And I stuck with her because we'd always be going there the week prior to the. Sunday that she had to play to make sure she got the equipment and so forth under in hand. But she, Margaret played until uh, uh, January, or I'm sorry, uh, May the 15th, mm -hmm. 14th, which was Mother's Day, the year 2000. And uh, she had a beautiful program. And uh, the next day, Margaret passed away. Oh. So. Oh. Okay. So she played for 61 years on the, that's at the organ bench. Yeah. So she was yeah. a great yeah. person. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. We've Mother had some great people volunteer to help people of real stature to, to really help make some of the decisions to help Upper Marion Township become what it is today. Okay. Thanks again. Thank you. That's it for this edition of Remember When. I'm Carl Schulteis, president of the King of Prussia Historical Society, and your host for this series of Upper Marion Township's Oral History. Thank you for joining us, and as always, remember when. <laughs>